This is Boomer in the Morning with Ryan Pinder on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour two of the program. We're in it. Brought to you by Gray Wolf Golf Course. Voted BC's number one public golf course by Score Golf. The T-sheet, wide open. Book now, graywolfgolf.com. Our next guest always joins us on a Friday. This time he's joining us from beautiful Florida. Might be, oh, yeah. I understand. Might be golfing today, Stephen. Good to, uh, so jealous. Might be, are you, are you, you golfing? You hate golf. Are you golfing. golfing today, Steve? I am not golfing. No, no. I hate oh. golf. I, oh, I, oh, okay. I I'm just ducking out. It's raining here in Florida. Oh, you know, no. think that would ever happen, right? Come on. I'm just finding it, trying to find somewhere to get out of it. I'm, I am at the at the beautiful, actually, it is quite beautiful, the Blue Jays Player Development Complex, which is this space age uh, thing that they've built since the last time I was down here, where they, uh, where actually, where all the baseball activity will happen because they have they have a roof, like they have a whole field with a roof over it that they can practice on. So uh, it's kind of mind blowing. So they're going to get rained out this morning. Is that what you're implying here? Well, they're going. They're supposed to play in Bradenton this afternoon uh, against the Pirates minor league or the Pirates spring, uh, spring training crowd. But um, not a lot of the there's a, a scattering of major league players who will make that bus trip. So everybody else will stay here. Nice. Well, while you're down there under the uh, the roofed uh, complex and around the the bigwigs, can you just drop a just a quick one? Can you ask if we can get uh, the NHL Network and the Golf Channel on our cable package because we don't have that? <laughs> if you could just uh... let, me, let me see, I, I, there might be somebody. Well, you know, actually, there's 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 a guy apparently who's been here the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. Uh, he might be able to. He might be able to take care of that. Part. Right, I did. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't, if it comes up, Stephen, don't make it awkward. But if it comes up, just you know, the guys in Calgary, uh, hard to watch the Masters without the golf channel. Anyway, moving on. Standard def. I mean, we'll put up with that. We just want the channels. Yeah. So you are uh, now. You're down there to tell stories. It's what you do best. What's on? Uh, what's on your uh, your schedule here? Well, um, let's see. I just um, Laddie just walked by and gave me a wave, so that's kind of cool. I haven't seen him in a while. Oh, name uh, drop, name drop. Uh, Charlie Montoya just—they uh, just announced that he got a contract extension. Yeah, congratulations, Chuck. Yes, and um, so that's pretty good. And context on Charlie, uh, you know him quite well by now, I imagine. But the the number of years that he grinded in the minors and. I guess some really challenging family scenarios to overcome over the course of this. It feels good to see this type of guy get rewarded rather than the the Tony Larusa variety. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> that that's pretty good. That is a pretty good alpha and omega of uh, <laughs> of of, of, of human beings who manage baseball teams. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, Charlie is a great guy. Um, he's a great person, and he does. You know, he's been through a lot. He's got a, 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 a you know a, a son who has has had profound medical issues that they've been dealing with his entire life. An amazing kid named Alex. And uh, people saw the little documentary we did on him, probably remember him. And, you know, I'll tell you, during the pandemic, you know, because Alex is, you know, has, is still kind of fragile. Um, like, I'm not, his family's in Tucson, you know, because Alex needs to be close to his support there. And, uh, and I just think of the, the months, you know, literally the months over the last, of the last two years that Charlie, to do his job, managing this team, whether it was the 60-game season, the, the 2020 season, or the last year when they bounced from city to city. You know, none of that was in Tucson, Arizona. Um, so, yeah, he's had to spend a tremendous amount of time away from his family. Um, and 
you know, uh, it, that's that's you know that that has been their reality for a long time. Um, but it's it's yeah, it's very good to see him rewarded with a little bit of extra security, and, and I think he's done a really nice job. It, this, this is a big year for him. There's a lot of pressure on this, you know, because you look at the lineup, you say they, they better win, and you know, if in a situation like that, if they don't win, they tend to blame the manager. So, um, but I think he's got you know, look, he's this is he's, he's got a lot to work with this year. I see there's multiple club options here. The Blue Jays have sort of had this uh, prior, at least, an auto-renew on some other managers. I think they did that with John Gibbons. If you get to a certain date, another year gets tacked on. Uh, whatever it is, it seems like they want to avoid the, the lame duck or contract year scenario for managers. Yeah, that's it. I, I think it's a little – I don't think they do the – that because that, that was more the previous administration had that, the rolling one-year contracts was kind of their club policy. Uh, it's a little different with these guys, but yeah, this would have been like Charlie would have been going into that season this year, so um, they did want to avoid that. Take your jacket off. Yeah. <laughs> Take your jacket off. Yeah. I'm gonna here. I'm going somewhere. I'm gonna duck in somewhere. This, that, was, that was my crew uh-huh. saying, "Don't stand outside in your lovely jacket." Um, so nice let thing. me see where I can go here. We're not allowed in a lot of these places here. There's like this is all off limits to um, non-baseball people. So don't they know who you are? Give flash me one your, second here. Just flash your okay, passport. Okay, it's, I got a spot. Yeah, I got a spot now. I'm okay now. You hear the hear the uh, batting practice? Oh yeah. oh yeah, that's yeah. good stuff here. Yeah. So there you go. That's better. So we got uh, we got atmosphere. Um, anyway, we were, we were what what were we saying? Uh, just talking about Montoyo. It's nice to see good things happen to good people. Because you know what? I'm I'm thinking back. You had. The exciting run, bat flips, everybody loves Gibby and all of that, and then things change. I, I'm just trying to take back, I don't want it to be revisionist history, but it was not a sexy hire at the time. Uh, take us back to when Montoya was given the reins. Well, yeah, it, it was, you know, they, they went through, you know, there was a process, and they interviewed a bunch of guys, and um, there, you know, some of whom, um, wound up working for other teams. You know, Rocco Baldelli was one of them. Um, you know, he's managed the twins. He was, he was one of the guys they talked to. Uh, most of the guys they talked to were, you know, were, were coaches, you know, guys who had been coaches in organizations. They weren't necessarily guys who had managed before. You know, and Charlie had this kind of interesting resume. He had you know, a lot of success managing in, in the minor leagues and, you know, at different levels. And he won championships. And, uh, but in that Rays organization, you know, he, 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 you know, he kind of got blocked, right? There wasn't really anywhere for him to go. Kevin Cash is going to be the manager there for, for uh, you know, for a long, long time, and and he was super respected in baseball, but yeah, not on the on the you know kind of the top of everyone else's list as a managerial candidate. And I know if you talk to Mark Shapiro, Ross Atkins, they interviewed him. And he was one of the latter guys they interviewed, and the interview just kept going and going and going. And um, you know, like I'll take their word for it. I think they were sold on him as a person. And they, they 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 care about that stuff. They make a priority of that, and you know they I think they knew he would have to grow into being a major league manager because it's a different job than being a minor league manager or a different job than being you know a major league bench coach or a major league third base coach, which he'd done. So it's it was kind of like let's hire the best person who has and is you know a guy who's had a lot of experience working with young players and the minors. Yeah. And then let's watch him evolve and you know try and build enough support and give him a coaching staff so that he can evolve into the kind of major league manager we want. Like their their ideal guy is Terry Francona, who is their manager in Cleveland. They yeah. they, they love Tito. So they they want Charlie to turn into Terry Francona. Now, it's I'm just cuz I'm thinking of it as you say it. 
we often talk about what makes a great manager. Anybody can fill out the, the lineup card and that, that sort of thing. But there's part, you know, you got to be a coach, you got to be a father figure, you got to be a bit of a therapist. Is is baseball out of the, the major sports? And I mean, I won't speak for soccer, but certainly in hockey and football, they don't care if you're nice or not. In baseball, it matters more than any other sport, doesn't it, that the guy actually is kind and nice and good to people? Well, I think 162 games changes a lot right? because it's about kind of, You've got to live with each other for a long time. You know, add spring training to that, and it's not, you know, other sports, you know, are super intense and football, you know, all the stories about coaches coming in at three in the morning and living in the complex. And, but it, it's, it's a short season. You play once a week. Um, you know, in baseball, you, you, you travel together, you live together, you work together for a huge stretch of the calendar. And you know, you're going to be dealing with, it's not a rah-rah sport. It's not about the big speech in the dressing room because you can't rah-rah your way to winning baseball games. It's about a bunch of individual skills. Um, you know, the guys are kind of independent contractors in a lot of ways. So how do you build a team out of that? And, and I, I, so you've got cultural differences in the clubhouse. That's another part of it in baseball that's you know, a, a big deal. You know, Charlie's obviously, you know, in terms of his, his heritage, his Puerto Rican heritage, that helps him. Um, and, and you're also, you know, you manage up too, right? Like you, especially these days, there's so much data coming at a manager. The analytics departments are feeding you stuff. And, you know, no one's managing by the seat of their pants anymore. You know, that's not the deal. You, you take that data and you, you're supposed to do what the organization wants you to do. So, yeah, you manage human beings on, you know, in, on one level and manage the organization and manage your bosses on another level. Now, can you tell us about the uh, the one on one that you're having, or just had, or scheduled to have today, and and maybe that 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 uh, what can we say, what can't we say? I, I just I just sat down with Matt Chapman, which was uh, I, I've got a couple more coming up, but uh, Matt Chapman was the first one today, first time I've ever spoken to him. An amazing guy, like really as as personable and engaged an interview with an athlete that you're ever going to have. Um, very happy to be here. Um, you know, very to kind of see what the kind of team that's going to be around him this year. Uh, coming off two years when, you know, he was injured and then had surgery and wasn't entirely himself. But if you go back three years, the guy's an MVP candidate. And, you know, he's like, oh, look, and again, I know it's spring. Everybody says they're feeling better than they've ever felt. That's kind of a cliche. But he's healthy. Um, he, you know, fills that hole at third base. He's a, he can be an elite offensive player, and he's going to be in a lineup full of elite offensive players. So yeah, he's, a, he's a pretty happy guy right now. Do you get like, uh, Marcus Simeon's vibes out of this in the sense that they bet on a bounce back on a guy that, that had a, a rough sample that had some injury backing and that defensively you knew was solid? Yeah, I think, I, I, I think that they believe that the, the last two years were entirely about the hip. That, you know, he had a hip, he had a labrum issue with his hip. He had, you know, he played hurt for a long time. Then he had the surgery. Then he was rehabbing from the surgery. You know, he's, he's 28 years old, so um, you know there's there's every reason to believe that that it's, you know he's not in decline. And I you know I know I think they like the upside. I think the you know the fact that the guy plays elite defense at that position, and you know he doesn't have to with this team. Like I again, he could in the Rogers Center could have hit 35 home runs, but with this team he doesn't have to. You know, that'd be, that'd be a bonus. But if he goes there and plays lights out defense at third base, they didn't really have a solution there. And uh, so that, that's, I think that's where it starts. You know, go, go play great defense at third. We got a ground ball heavy pitching staff. You're going to see a lot of ground balls. Um, and uh, so that kind of shores up the left side of the infield. And then 
whatever you do offensively is a bonus, but he could do a lot offensively. You often wonder about a guy, too, because he knew probably for quite some time that he was going to be leaving Oakland. That that was, we know how Oakland works. They, they go and then they trade everybody away and they start fresh. Here's a guy that's from California, played in Oakland, knows he's getting traded. Then you get sent to Canada. And there's COVID. I mean, who knows? Not to say he's never played in, in Toronto. Obviously, he has. But I would think that not every born and raised Californian American would be thrilled about coming to Canada. What was your sense with him knowing that it's a big league, could go anywhere, and it ended up being Toronto? He's pretty thrilled. Um, I think because he, you know, he has played in the stadium, so he knows, you know, he knows what it is and what it can be like when, especially when it's full. Um, you know, and, and unlike the guys last year, he's going to get to go straight to Toronto next week. He's not going to have to make several intermediate stops before he gets there. You know, and I think look, this place where I'm standing right now, it, 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 it is kind of a baseball players are kind of wide-eyed with this complex because it's other spring training facilities don't look like this necessarily. Yeah. So there's that, um, and they're really well looked after here. Like for instance, we're we are set up. We're shooting these interviews in what is normally the yoga studio, the movement, and where they do movement and yoga classes. Do you, have um, your, do you have your Lululemons on? Are you going to be... Uh... I, I'm going to... That is, I'm going to debut them this year, yeah. But, <laughs> Theater you know, of the mind. Funny. Beautiful. I yeah. think of, yeah. but, I, you know, but I think of all the crusty old baseball players, guys that come through. Though this place is named after Bobby Maddock, who was the manager, interim manager of the Jays, but a loyal organization guy uh, for years and years and years. But, you know, like the, the, the very definition of kind of old school baseball. And if Bobby Maddock was alive, uh, and you told him, you know, there's... Uh, there was a movement studio in the place named after him. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think you'd be shocked. I guess just a quick thought on, on Dexter Fowler. I mean, it's a minor league thing. I, I saw the uh, interview that uh, Arash and they, they had with him this morning, and he was saying, I'm like five years older than a lot of these guys. Like, well, you're maybe more than five years older. Is this a, is this a Crash Davis kind of a thing for, uh, for AAA, or how do you see this uh, panning out for him? I, you know, I think it's funny. You know, he is a guy that, before he signed that big free agent deal with St. Louis that, you know, didn't necessarily work out for St. Louis, that like the Jays were this, this administration, that was their first big push was to try and sign him in 2017. And he ended up getting what, six years, I think with, with, with St. Louis and 80 something million dollars. Uh, so they were the runners up. So they have liked them for a long time. Um, it's, you know, you just kind of don't know. He, he look, he guy looks like a million bucks. I, we saw you see, if you saw the, the interview, it doesn't, you know, he's 36, but he looks like the same, you know, super athletic guy that he's always been. Um, he says his knee feels good. He just, you know, he had a blew out his ACL last year. So he, he's not going to be available for a while, even in the best case. But, yeah, I think it's, it's kind of a look-see. You know, they could get him healthy um, and, you know, then kind of get him up to game speed. And then I assume he will turn up in the minors somewhere. But, it, look, he's it's not quite as desperate now because they, they made the deal for – for Tapia, um, who will be the fourth outfielder on this team, and uh, you know, and does hit from the left side. But you know, Fowler's a switch hitter. He can play center field if he's healthy. They don't really have a natural backup center fielder for Springer. And you know, who knows? And if it doesn't pan out, it doesn't pan out. There's, you know, there's not a lot of risk here. So, I, I think I think that's what it is. It's you know, a player they liked, and if you know, if somehow he comes has a at, at age 36, kind of bounces back entirely physically and. Uh, can add something they'll try and find a spot for him although you know right now i'm not sure i'm not sure how you would get him onto a you know 26 man roster yeah 
Uh, thoughts on Manoa? Last year was the coming out party. What's this year? Looked good yesterday. He just. I, we were talking about this yesterday, watching him. Um, it's amazing how you just. You, you, it, this is a guy who, at this point last year, had not played above high A, high, high A in the minors. Now he'd had the. You know, they had that 2020. He was part of that camp, the minor league camp, Alternate where they, they didn't have yeah. a minor league. Yeah, exactly. But so you know, but really, you know, and and last spring looked great, obviously. But it's amazing how soon we kind of flip the switch and say, well, you just can, yeah, you just write him in and pan because that's what he is. Right? He just, he feels completely solid and completely reliable in that spot. And you just, just like, look, if he, if he could take what he did last year in the amount of time he played and you extrapolate that over a full season, um, he would be one of the best starters in baseball. Um, you know, now guys plateau and guys have setbacks at that stage in their career and all kinds of things could happen, but you know, he's just, he just kind of feels like a guy who's going to be durable and consistent and his compete level is, he was hitting guys in the spring training game yesterday. They're kind of unapologetically hit, hit two guys in a row, um, and just stood there and stared at them. Like that's, 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 that's what he is. Yeah. That was that was one of the things for me. You think about well, here's a guy. Now there there's expectations. You're not gonna sneak up on anybody. He he looked absolutely unfazed by coming to the majors last year. There was no intimidation factor on you know as far as him coming to the bigs. I don't worry about him from the mental capacity, from the mental side, being able to handle the pressure. No, I've never seen it. He just you know and he walked in wearing the. You know, the, like the first day, and I walked into Major League Clubhouse, like wearing, the, you know, the, the sunglasses and the, the clothes, and yeah, the, yeah. the swag and the whole thing going. And I like, it was like, hey, I belong here. Um, he, he has no fear. He's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a big personality. But man, it worked. Yesterday, and I know that uh, the guys were talking about it on Sportsnet yesterday. Vladdy at uh, in the two hole. Now you, you, it's still spring, and you're you're working things out. But the uh, there was the discussion. You know, you get a few more at bats if you're if you're batting second. Where do you see? Vladdy, I mean, is there is there meat on that bone, or is this just more kind of working things out in Dunedin? Uh, Charlie sounded pretty convinced that that was the way to go. You know, he talked about the extra twenty at bats over the course of a year by by hitting them higher in the lineup. Um, yeah, I think that, and uh, you know, with Bo hitting cleanup um, and Teoscar in three, like that 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 top force, you know, Springer, Vladdy, Teoscar, Bo. That Charlie seemed pretty sold on that. So I, I right now I would be surprised if that's not the first four next Friday on opening day. It's a nice luxury to have. You, you feel like in some ways tough to mess it up, but it's, uh, I mean, it's not a murderer's row, but it's impressive. It's, it's got to be fun when you sit down and you're writing those names down at the top of your order. Well, and then, you know, then you can slot Guriel and then Chapman and Kirk. And yeah, it's like, it kind of keeps going too. It's not, you know, you're not, it's not just those four guys. Like this, this, this should be a lineup that uh, it, it's going to be very hard to pitch to these guys, and it's going to wear some teams out. And you know, even a guy like like Santiago Espinal looks great this spring. And, and you know, I, I you know you probably shouldn't have enormous expectations of him offensively, but he's shown some power this spring that I don't think people thought he had. And you know, he did. You know, in in a relatively small sample size, we've seen him at the majors. The guy has hit for average. Um, so yeah, even at the you know at the, at the bottom of the lineup at the eight and nine, it's, it's, it's they're not going to be gimmies. I got to tell you, uh, I'm happy for you because I know this is one of your happy places. You're not uh, you know it's not 
ankle deep in warm water with a fly rod in your hand, but hearing the crack of the bat and you being there to uh, take it all in, I'm happy for you. Thank you. Yeah, it's doing me some good. I'm not here for very long, um, but it's just, you know, it's, it's like a lot of things after what the last few years, like just, just getting back, right? It's um, just getting back to something that you did before and seeing that it's still here and it's still kind of cool. Yeah, that's all of that stuff. Is, it's good for the soul. Well, and, and we absolutely adore the work that you do. A lot of the, the docs that give us more context on who these star players are that we see on our TVs over 100 times a year. What can you tell us about uh, what you've got lined up for the season? Uh, obviously, these one-on-ones that you're doing probably a part of some bigger stuff. Well, it's going to be it's a little tricky because of the lockout, right? Because we during the lockout, we had a bunch of plans for the offseason. But, you know, number one was we, all, we were obviously working around the pandemic and what the restrictions might be. But number two, with the lockout, we couldn't even contact guys or contact the team couldn't contact them. So to be honest, we're scrambling this year. It's everything is happening and spring training is shortened, but we had no access to guys after December 1st. So that limited some of what we would normally do, but we'll, um, we'll do our best between now. And I guess we'll keep doing it through the season the best we can. I like that you're the only guy that's not excited to get to Toronto. Everybody else is like, can we wrap this up? Let's get to Toronto. You're like, hey, let's just stay. Come on, pump the brakes, guys. Hey. Hang out for another week or so. Yeah, that would be just just fine. That would be just fine by me. Steven, be good, man. We'll let you get to work. Appreciate it. All right. See you, guys. Take care. There he is, Steven Brunt uh, in his happy place. Absolutely. Covering uh, spring training baseball. And again, because it was laid out there yesterday, and I was looking at their Twitter account, Blue Jays, at Blue Jays, what kind of lineup is that? Springer? Well, I mean, last year I thought they had the best lineup in baseball, and this year I think, you know, they're probably close. I, I, they're right there with the Dodgers-type lineup. It's it's a embarrassment of riches offensively. Springer, Guerrero, Hernandez, Bichette, Kirk, Guriel, Chapman, Biggio, Espinal. And you know more about Kirk this year, right? It's hit everywhere. And you know what? And I've... This Chapman, he's going to be good, man. I think he is. I think that you know what it's too. It's I think it's too easy maybe to look at, um, no, oh, the uh, guy that brought in from Oakland last year, Simeon. Simeon, and and he was tremendous for them. But it was you were looking for that bounce back. I think they get very not the similar production, but you're going to see yeah, Chapman return to his performance from. Two years ago. And people forget that Oakland Park is so hard for hitters. There is so much foul territory. It is a nightmare. You get the that cold, wet air there. Like the, He goes from the most difficult hitting environment in Major League Baseball into probably a top 10 one in terms of like you hit the ball, see where it lands. And oh, by the way, look around your division. Short Porch, Joke Stadium in New York, the wall in Boston. He's going to, if he has a good year offensively, the numbers will really pop just because the environment's that much easier. And there's still... Obviously, Springer, older guy, Chapman's better. They are still such a young group of punks. Like, what kind of year is Bo Bichette going to have? Bo had a just okay year last right? year and what, hit like 300 or 30 bombs? <laughs> like, if he has his big year, yeah. he's getting MVP votes. Vlad feels like he's going to be a perennial candidate because of how special the bat is. And then guys like Teoscar can just lurk in the weeds. Silver, Slugger, a couple years in a row. Like, Guriel is a phenomenal hitter. That you know, sometimes you want to avert your eyes when he's playing left field, but they're going to rake. They are. And what are you going to get out of Hyunjin Ryu? There's two years left on that deal at 20 million a pop. He really struggled at times last year. 
We'll see it in the third game of the year against Texas as they want to keep him out of Yankee Stadium. Well, they talked about one of the things about adding Chapman. Ground balls. Ground balls to the third base side. Yeah, he and Kikuchi induce like some of the most ground ball, highest ground ball rates in the, in the bigs. So this is a really smart front office, and it wasn't that long ago that morons trying to sell newspapers put their faces on the cover of the newspaper and said, what do these guys do? These guys know what they're doing? It they was had one year yeah. with 90-plus losses, and it's like, you know you can't roll with an old, expensive lineup and not turn it over. There had to be pain, but go look at other organizations for pain. It lasts a decade. They had one year that it was like miserable, and they knew they weren't going to be good, and then they were back into the playoffs in that uh, abbreviated COVID season. They missed by one game last year, expanded playoff this year. Like they're, they're a legit contender for a World Series. Go look at the Vegas odds. This, this should be one of the best teams in baseball. And you look back to the criticism they took. It was a tough spot for them coming in because Anthopolis was so beloved. They went on the on that run that they did, mm-hmm. bringing in you know bringing in the. They were never buyers, right? It's like this they, is they, awesome. They didn't give Jose Bautista a, a, a five year, three hundred million, some crazy contract. You know those are tough decisions. They they let Donaldson go and trade him for. Oh, who, no one's ever heard of this guy. Well, all of a sudden, that guy's Julian Merriweather. That throws 98 and has four pitches, and if he's healthy, will be your setup or closer. Yeah, they, they dismantled you know, the team Steve, that everyone fell in love Steve with. Steve Pierce went away, and you got back some low-level infielder. That's Santiago Espinal now, who's going to be playing in a platoon at second base. Um, have all their moves been brilliant? No. Did you have to put up with some uh, Socrates burrito along the way? A little bit. But they're really good, and they don't make a lot of mistakes. And it's, you never know the deals that were close to being made that weren't. Maybe they could have had another start. You know what I mean? It, but I, I feel like if they were, they feel like more a reserved front office than a, yeah, let's just try it and see if it works. Well, but they've also splashed a couple of the biggest free agent signings of the last three years. $80 million for Hyunjin Ryu. George Springer, what, $150 million. They go out and pay Kevin Gossman to be a front of the rotation guy. They're not that conservative. Like this, this organization is starting to act like they used to in the early '90s, which is you're a big stack at the table. You've got the largest TV audience in the sport. Period. Stop. Capitalize on that. And the one thing we didn't talk with Brunt is one of the guys they added last year is their opening day starter, Jose Brios. And they extended him. They haven't been afraid to spend money. Let's play some ball. Let's get going. Play some base. Friday night. Yeah. Dumas, have you blocked off Friday? Do you know how this works? I'm in Ottawa on Friday. Yeah, he's still watching the footy. Oh, he's hit the footy. Uh, somebody texting a nice pull on the Socrates Dude, burrito. Dude, it was painful, but so remind me. Baseball is filled with guys that have tools, and you're waiting to see if it pops, and it just doesn't for most of them, but sometimes it will. There was a catcher, I think a Venezuelan catcher, that the Jays had forever, and he went to Cleveland and was like, popped and all of a sudden he caught for a decade and you're like how did that happen and then it was the third baseman that went to to new york that just got swapped to to minnesota the infielder he was phenomenal for them that was the guy the jays had and he didn't pop there socrates burrito was another one of those guys a ton of tools we'll see if it pops yeah but it, the sport's full of that there is this a quad a guy or in the right spot will he turn into you know a guy that's getting run for an all-star campaign yeah i sat in this room for a few years with you Lots of names out there that you wanted to fire into the sun. There's a few maybe this year. Aaron Loop can out of here. Maybe this year may be a little different. We'll come back. We'll talk some hockey. Flames last night. Get a point. Did they deserve more? We'll discuss. Sportsnet 960, the fan.
You're locked on Boomer in the Morning, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We are rolling. Guests of the show join us on the hotline brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. All right. 13-time Consumer Choice Award winner. For every dollar you spend, earn points towards free pizza. It's their new rewards program. Atlas Pizza Sports Bar, 6060 Memorial Drive, Northeast. Flames fall by a 3-2 score in a shootout last night at the Dome. Uh-huh. 16 games in the month of March. I saw the Islanders played 17. That was the most in That's their franchise lot. history. That's a lot of games. I mean, a lot of days in the month, 31 of them. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, this year? But 16, 17 games, it's a lot of hockey. Every yeah. year, then. Uh, luckily for the Flames, a good chunk of them at home. Only four of them on the road. That's going to change a bit here. That is going to change. They have four in a row on the road, if I'm correct here. Yeah, they get her going tomorrow against St. Louis, then four straight, home for three, off for two. So, yeah, it becomes more what you would expect. But, again, it's not like it's a soft month. You've got one, two, three back-to-backs in there. I'm just kind of like... Is Dan Vladar still around? I did I see him. Fifth straight start last night for Markstrom, seven of the last eight. I wonder, because you've got St. Louis Saturday, mm-hmm. then divisional opponents. He's going to play in one of the Anaheim-San Jose games. It'd be nice to beat San Jose, I would think, at some point for the Flames. It's your last chance at it, I believe. You're 0 for 3. Anaheim having a rough go. Now, the good news, you can't run into San Jose in the playoffs the way that it works because they won't be in the playoffs. Seems that way. So, and that's the the that's unconventional the thinking. You got Anaheim, then San Jose. Well, what's the... Anaheim looks to be the weaker opponent. Start your number one against the Ducks, who have lost, what is it, nine, ten in a row now? Yeah, Eleven in a row? So we'll see. That's That's next week. Just preparing everybody for us to be very cranky next week. I'm not going to bother even telling you why. Just we're going to be very. It's obvious why. Very sour. Two, eight thirty starts in there. Oof. Uh, you know what I got right now? I got uh, uh, I got something to give away. It's going to say mail itch. No, okay. I got a lot. There's plenty of things, but specifically what I'm getting at this time is a uh, a four. We got a pack of beer. Pack of beer. Fifty dollar gift card to the tap room with Wild Rose Brewery. It's the final installment of Boomer's picks for Wild Rose Brewery. I've been shut out on this so far. I don't know if you noted that. Um, if I whether I'm eligible or not, different question. But um, I feel like you get enough free stuff from them. Well, that's, that it's nice to let the listeners actually get one. Okay, well, that's that's also valid. Beerations. It's a it's a neat concoction. Why now? You can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You can you can buy any number of their beers, have them, enjoy them as you please. Or, because there's so many different flavors and variations, what if you took some of this one and then mixed it with some of this one? That's called the beeration. We're talking about it today. Today's Boomer's pick. Mm-hmm. It's velvety, it's tangy, and it goes down easy. It is Foggy Pond. Oh. Mixing the classic fan fave, the smooth, citrusy, citrusy velvet fog, and the irresistibly... Refreshing tart Ponderosa Goza. This is an absolute match made in heaven. Those are my. Uh, Did I get you one onto two. the Foggy Ponds when we uh, went out for birthday drinks yeah. in September? That's my one too. Foggy Pond quickly become a tap room favorite. Find out why for yourself. Try Foggy Pond and other beerations when you pick up Crusher, the Herd Mix Pack, 
or ask your server to whip up a batch next time you're at the tap room. Details mm-hmm. online, wildrosebrewery.com. Now, uh, I'm going to go... It's a foggy pond type of... Yeah. Oof, no. I'm going to go with this uh, just because I know it's uh, the, it's correct when I ask this question. Oh, okay. And it's right in front of me, so I'm not going to bother getting too deep. Last night, uh, Austin Matthews, you may have noticed, 50th goal of the season. I did see that, yeah. It's a lot. 50 goals in 62 games. I was going to say, he's um, he's on pace to get a lot more than 50 given the runway and the role he's on. Someone had the, the stat for how good he's been since the beginning of last year. We'll get that later. I don't yeah, want to spoil yeah. any trivia, but... Safe to say no one has scored goals at anywhere near the rate he has since the beginning of last year's shortened season. And really probably since he came in the league, to be honest. What do you have, four in his first game? In, like, in Ottawa? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, this guy's going to be all right. Oh, all right. Yeah, you're oh, all So they tanked it, and eh? went first overall and got this guy. Okay, that's not going to be annoying. No, I apologize. I guess this probably falls in line. for. Oh, I'll, you know what? Here's the thing. Hmm? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to I'll do it this way because then it doesn't just include uh, Lee fans. Okay. Matthews, of course, uh, he's from San Ramon, California. Mm. Grew up in Scottsdale. He becomes the 10th different U.S.-born player in history tenth. to reach the 50-goal mark in a season. Who was the last American to hit the 50-goal plateau? The last American? Last American-born player to hit 50. You want to give us a time frame or no? You don't no. have to. Okay. No, no, no. I'll tell you what, it's going to be in that pocket of uh, when the, the Americans. Uh-huh. I don't need to tell you. They'll is, figure it is, out. Is Milan Hayduk American? I don't think he scored 50 either. <laughs> Did Milan Hayduk ever score 50? I'm, I don't think I'm, so. I'm doing cl- this classic misdirection. Good. Yari Curry I was miss, American, right? Yeah, it's miss- a good question, Boom. Is it? So far, nobody's gotten it right. I'm thinking back. I think the hint was a good one. It was probably part of that uh, crew that got the faulty furniture and. In the Olympic Games. And it t- was part of the crew. <laughs> Nagano. Yeah. If only they'd built this furniture better, it wouldn't be breaking all over us. Yeah, because some people have texted in Patrick Kane. It's not Patty Kane. I don't think he's had 50. What? Phil Kessel's never scored 50. Oh, my gosh. I guess I should check it. I'm trusting the NHL and the... No, I would definitely trust the NHL PR. They're good at this the stuff. The NHL... Uh, I know who it is, too, Boomer. Brains of B. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think we... we did you know it off the top of your I head, or did you see it? Really? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Come on now. First guess, or? I know who it is. How what, How did you know? I just know who it is. I just know. I love this team at this era of time. That's how mm. I know. Is that right? Yes. Was huh. this guy a video game legend? No. Not so much a legend, okay. but he played no, on no. a really fun team. On a fun team and a really good line. Yes. One a of the line, best lines. A line that it was probably the best in oh, hockey yeah, at yeah, that yeah, time. Yeah, it yeah. had its own nickname. Okay, okay. Uh, and two, one guy, well, I mean, two of them were certainly greater than the other. But the one guy fit in very well on the other side. He was all right. Just fine. Jerome McGinley. Uh, no, not American. Oh, shoot. And I don't know that he was ever on a I line thought, that I, had a name. I thought he lived in Boston. Lots of, lots of, not Doug Waite. Doug? Uh, Doug was a setup man. Come on now. Not Chichu. Not, Cheech is Canadian, clearly. Not, uh, not Bill Guerin, not Mike Medano, not Brett Hall. The last American to hit... 50 goals, Patrick Dumas was. Jean Leclerc. Jean Leclerc. Jeez, that's from a ways back. St. Albans, Vermont, had 51 goals in 97 uh, 98, playing with Eric Lindros and Michael Renberg on the Legion of Doom line. See, I would have thought it was going to be like my first gut was Ronick, 
Kachuk, those type guys. Kachuk would have had 50, but earlier in his career. Yeah. This was 97, 98. But yeah, that was that whole crew, right? And if, That's right. And all those names that got spit out, they were all amazing Same players. Same era, yeah. You had that Medano, probably, like Until Hall. now, that's the golden era of, uh, of American hockey. Now, yeah. if they didn't have the Youth 23 team at that last World Cup and we actually had best on best, I think now is really the golden era. That, that's the biggest thing this league's missing out on is the bonanza of putting all the Americans on one team. They'd be really good. They might be the best country in the world. They certainly have much better goaltending than Canada. You got like five guys to pick from? You kidding me? Fat, uh, fewest games to the 50-goal mark for Americans. Austin, 62. Ooh. Kevin Stevens got to 50 in 62 games in 92-93. Are you kidding me? That the, is nasty. With those Pittsburgh teams that also help, had, yeah. yeah, you also had, what, Francis and Yager and Lemieux. And, uh, Jeremy Roenick got to 50 in 91-92 in 67 games. Patty LaFontaine, 71 games in 89-90. That's way back. And Bobby Carpenter. Everyone forgets about old Bobby. Carps. 84-85, Bobby Carpenter, Washington Cap, 72 games. Milan Hayden did get 50, 0-2-0-3. There you go. John LeClaire, wow. No one since then, until yesterday. Fastest NHLer in 26 years, Matthews, to hit 50. About a year and a half before Matthews was born, four players hit 50 goals in 62 or fewer games. Mm. You can imagine that. hitting. If anybody hits 50, it's a pretty big deal. Four yeah. of them did it in 62 or less in 95-96. Wow. Mario Lemieux, 50 goals in 50 games. Yager, 59 games. McGillney, 50 in 60. God, McGillney could score. Peter Holy. Bondra, 50 in 62. I don't want to talk about McGillney. Other years... Uh, other guys have got 50 that year, but not as quick. Sackett, Kachuk, Korea. How about Paul Korea getting 50? Wow. Stupid McGillney. Couldn't let. She could. Couldn't let Timo have the Richard that year. Had to score 76. Needed that. 76 goals in 77 games. Beat it. I think he's one of only six guys that have scored 75 goals in a season. It's a very tight list of elite, 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 elite. So I don't know who won. We'll pick somebody here because I'm doing a, a lot of answers. I'm doing a radio show. I can't, uh, you know, what do you want me to do? Settle down. Is Adam Graves American? He had 50. Holy. Adam Graves was American. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Yes, he was. And uh, again, if anyone's looking for the best trivia question ever that does involve the Calgary Flames, only one Swede has ever scored 50. You can Google that and ask your friends and sound smart. Tony Amante? Close. I believe he's a Finn, though. <sighs> We're what you hoping, got this weekend? What do you got going on? We're hoping that Oliver Shillington is okay. Chili dog. They will practice. I would guess they'll do something in the way of a practice today. 11 a.m. is slated per Pike. Pike's um, not wrong. Because, of course, he had a awkward-looking fall slash, slash injury in March. Look, like this guy's going to miss some time. I think it's fine. Michael Stone came in. He, they, they, as In their words, dodged a bullet. They yeah. were concerned. He was actually okay. Uh, we don't have much in the way of, uh, Daryl wasn't asked about it last night after the game. Probably wouldn't have anything to say anyway. So we'll, uh, we'll see. The loquacious I'm, one. We'll, you know, who knows? It would be a guess is all I'd be doing. Um, I'm not questioning anybody. I'm mm-hmm. just going to put it out there. I feel like a shot's coming here. 
Don't need to see Michael Backlund shooting first in a shootout. He scored once in his life in the shootout, and I think it was earlier this year where we came and ripped it and did the one-hand raise, and it was like, oh, yeah, he looked confident. That's actually his first shootout goal ever, if I'm correct. That, that was an unusual choice for first, but, I mean, if we're really honest about what matters this year, there's not going to be shootouts where this group's going to be measured. But it was an odd choice. Get a lot of guys on heaters offensively. Adam Graves is Canadian. Just stop texting. Okay, I don't know. I guess I'm just sorry, guys. thinking of somebody else. He was played on the Rangers. Played in the Oilers. Played a lot of places. Yeah. Well, no, I played in the, those two teams anyway. But yeah, because here, all here is my thing. Okay. If Johnny shoots third. You might not get to use You him. may not get to use him at all. Yeah. I want him to shoot first. Okay. That's just, uh, and I guess it's criticism, but I just, mm-hmm. I... Because we've seen that before where, well, if you wait till the third, if, depending on what happens, he may not even, may not even touch the puck. You don't, so you wouldn't get Goudreau to touch the puck in a shootout. Now, it's not because I think he's Now, to be fair, you'd the have greatest to have Markstrom allow two of three, but yeah. But still, the math, happen. I mean, if yeah. anybody loves math, you, you don't want that guy to be sitting on the bench and the game is over. Gosh, Kaprika, throwing your, your guy out there. Um... We talked yesterday, or you heard, uh, I'm going to play this one. It was D- it was Daryl talking about uh, production. Just the things that we're seeing from Daryl with the Flames, that things are starting to tighten up. And he's been, he's been saying it, and I can only imagine if he's been saying it in the media, he's been saying it in the room. Things are not getting easier, they're getting harder. You're going to have to work a little bit harder. Every, by percentage points, everything goes up a little bit. Every day we get closer to the end of the season mm-hmm. and you get into the playoffs. This was his comment two days ago regarding goal scoring with his team. We have a lot of guys that have not scored their, or have scored one goal in, in a long time, and that's a, concern, that's a big concern this time of the year. It's a big, big concern. Even guys that have, that have got significant number of goals, they haven't scored lately or for a long time, and it's a concern. You gotta, number one, you gotta check for chances, but you gotta work for and bear down your opportunities, and you gotta get there. So you look at tonight, or last night, pardon me, and that was one of those games where you were, you can dial it up a notch. You were really going to have to work for chances. Even if you were scoring, you were going to have to dig in and really get after it. And it didn't, uh, it didn't really materialize for them. They got uh, the one goal, kind of a seeing eye shot from the point, and uh, Gaudreau off a rebound on the power play. And obviously, uh, Manjapani had such a great start to the season. I'm not, I, I'm not criticizing Manjapani because I think even when he's not scoring, he does a lot for you. But well, and who's he playing with? He will be, he will be feeling it right now. It's uh, nothing in his last seven in terms of goal. One goal in his last 14 games. And maybe it's because there's so many home games. I love scoring on the road. But one in 14 for him. That's Coleman, cool. zero in his last nine. One in his last 14 games. Uh I guess, I won't include Monaghan. You can put Callie Yarncroft's name there. Callie Yarncroft has not scored, had a and glorious he, chance. He hasn't really been dynamic offensively. Not that that's why you brought him in, because it's not. But here's the thing. the uh, They're still trying to figure out the bottom nine. They absolutely are. I think they know the five guys that are going to rotate through line four. So really what it is, is how are you constructing lines two and three? I don't think they've found what they're looking for, because you've got two dynamic offensive players on the wing in Manjapani and Toffoli. And you have a lot of players that their expertise is checking in defense. Yarncroke, Coleman, Backland. Dubay's been nice of late. Um, so how do you best construct that? They're still looking. 
And, and if I'm being totally honest, I don't think that Kelly Yonkroak is best served playing center because in the bulk of his NHL career, he hasn't. It's not like he's had to play behind Malkin and Crosby, and that's why they put him on the wing. He's been in Nashville and Seattle. And so is there another option to help get more offense at even strength from Toffoli and Mangiapane, if you put those guys on the same line? Do you want to build a super checking line, Coleman, Backlund, Yarncroak? Or is he your best option at third line center? They're figuring that out. And I'm not here to say that he can't be that guy, but I am curious if we don't see a Dubé down the middle a little bit or an Adam Ruzicka at another point if injury or need demands it. But I, I sure think that Daryl is still looking for something there. And it, it ties right in with these scoring droughts. Because when you put Andrew Mangiapane on a line with two guys that are known for defense, don't be surprised when he's not getting as many offensive chances. Okay, so let's set it up. Well, you're leaving the top line alone, right? Yeah, I'm probably going to do that. Yeah. So then your second line, okay, Backlund's going to center it. What yeah. kind of a line are you building with Backlund? Because right now, it's Mangiapane on the left side to Foley on the right side. And we've also seen Dubé in there. And, and it, it, it's a blender. So where it is now probably doesn't really matter that much because three games ago it was different. But for years, have we not seen chemistry between Backlund and Mangiapane? Yes. He can play both sides of the puck, Mangiapane. You know what you're getting from Michael Backlund. It's you know, 13 to 16 goals and playing against everyone else's top center most nights. And with Yarn Croak, it hasn't been undeniable. And no. while they do want to, obviously you want to up the level and intensity, all that sort of thing, but you do, behind closed doors, you do have the luxury of keep putting them out there, let them get, every yeah. game Every we'll game he plays at like. center is another game he's got under his belt playing at center. And you, you're rotating different wingers by him to see what, what fits in terms of, okay, what it, this guy's a good retriever. This guy is really good at creating chance. Here's a good finisher. Like, what? What is the combo you're going to find that works? And and maybe the best spot for Yarn Croak isn't center. It doesn't have to be. That's why people talk about his flexibility is a good thing. He can play all three forward positions. That's good. That means he doesn't have to be a center iceman. But if I'm building my super checking line, and that's going to be Backlund, Coleman, Yarn Croak, now you've got two offensively gifted wingers into Foley and Mangiapane, and I don't know who's playing center ice. It feels like a bit much for Dylan Dubé at this point. I didn't mind Adam Ruzicka there, but he's not even with the club right now, and I'm not comfortable with Monaghan, Carpenter, or anyone else in that fourth line playing center. Yeah, I'm with you. And The thing of it is, too, the backland line last night were on for both King goals. So, I mean, line change. It was Johnny's line that really got the first one, but okay. The yeah. second one's on Backlund. The first one was a line change. Like, really, you can't give that group any hint. They didn't do anything. No, but it's... it. it that's that, that's way, one of the flaws of plus minus right there. The they way literally those, step on the ice and get a minus. The they, way those, they didn't have a chance to get I'm, on. I just kind of look more at that. You got a lead, five minutes to go. Wish you didn't happen. Don't, yeah, don't give up another... Don't give up another one. So how would you construct it after the top? Well, I don't know. And I don't think Daryl does either. Because here's the thing. I always kind of kind of get my back up when you hear, well, the guy needs better guys to play with. Well, and I like to Foley. I think he's been very good. The numbers suggest he would be very good. But he's not overly quick. He's somewhat limited in what he can give you. What does he do for you at even strength? And who do you want to play with him? Because we know he's going to score on the power play, and he has. What do you need to do to have him at his best at even strength? You need a distributing center. Manjapani can distribute, but he's on the other wing, not as, you know. Yeah. So I think they're still figuring that out. Love to see Rajic come back up. 
It's almost like they still need a center, isn't it, Dean? <laughs> I was going to say. Now, listen, no, no roster's perfect. <laughs> Every team has spots where they wish they were a little stronger. But uh, I think this is – we've got a 15-game dress rehearsal for the coach to see if he can find some lines beyond one and four that he can trust. And it was not that long ago, and again, you're not doing it. We know what the answer is. But that Kachuk came off that top line, to your point, Sutter continues to move things around, if not just to find it now, but then down the road, uh, it worked in game 65 and 66. We'll try it here now because things have dried up a little. I am curious to see what lines he will have going this morning because I don't know that he was super pumped with what he saw two games ago or last night in terms of not just offense, but he's talked about get to the blue paint, get to the tough areas. They've not been much to, that hard to handle because I, I know we kind of debated a little bit. I thought Kemper had more of a routine night than you did, and I didn't think it was terribly difficult work for Cal Peterson yeah, last night. I wouldn't disagree, and I think more than that, it's just with with, with uh, Kemper, it was 90 and 91. That's just, I, I don't care how peripheral. Best goalies in the league can't do that. That that's a really hot run and tip your cap. That was my thought on Kemper. Peterson, I kind of agree last night. There were there some good saves, but he didn't have to make a bunch of five bellers. And the guy I'm really intrigued with, Dean, is a guy that I think has been one of the best players for three weeks in Dylan Dubé. Can you take this really good run from him and challenge him to play center? I Because I, if he, before he got sat down, you're like, absolutely no way. But he's been one of their best, and he is the guy that's gotten to tough areas and that has been battling his ass off. Like I, this is the best we've seen him in terms of complete, engaged consistency. I'd love to see, even if it's just a tire kick, him to fully manage Panny. He had that redirect, one of the scoring chances that it didn't fool Kemper. It wasn't a great scoring chance, but still had a try last night coming across the top of the crease. He nearly scores that. You throw all of that in, he's still got three goals, three assists in his last eight games. Kale McLean last night on the postgame show had this to say about Dubé. He's on the puck and he's using his speed and he's he's being uh, tenacious and I think that he's got a little more clout around the uh, puck battle. You're seeing his speed show up in the middle of the ice. Usually see him coming through with good speed in an available spot. And, and then you take it a step further, he's staying in the battle and he's uh, a little more getting his nose more dirty, I think, over these last couple of weeks. And he's being an effective player for us. I think sometimes when you want a player to play well, you have to kind of squint and you're really kind of looking for it. You don't have to squint here. Dubé's been since the noticeably better. Yeah. Noticeably better. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I think... If you're feeling good and, and and you are mixing it up and just seeing what sticks to the wall, like I think the coach is right now, why not give him a little spin at center? See what it looks like. What do you got uh, going on over there? I've got the uh, the four pots. One of the things I've always uh, appreciated about Pinder is he has multicolored pens. It goes back to your pl- your uh, play-by-play days. Yep. You need a lot of info quick. You got to color coordinate. You got to color coordinate so yeah. that it stands out. Uh, and I was is he putting together lines. What has he got? Is that the uh, the Blue Jays batting order? What's he got? I did that the other day. Yeah. Senegal, Serbia, Poland. Oh, he's talking about soccer again. It's pots. So basically, okay. when the pots are drawn at nine a.m. Okay. and Patty and I will be doing flames talk. Mm-hmm. What we'll be doing is using every fiber of our body to not talk, talk about, about who they yeah. drew. But essentially, I've I've gotten the uh, the Vegas odds on all these teams. Oh yeah. So Vegas knows more than I do about these soccer teams. Do they? 
I mean, they're balancing money from people that are sharps in soccer, whatever. Vegas knows more than you? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, we know that, stating yeah, the yeah. obvious. But if I know the odds of the teams, I can see who the weakest teams in each pot are and who the strongest teams in each pot are, theoretically. Andy Strickland coming up in hour three. I'm a nerd. And uh, I'm where, a really wh- big nerd. Where is it? Where, Moon, where you been, bud? And our Wild Rose Brewery winner when we come back. Sportsnet 960, the fan.